Good morrow to you all. You have fallen on bad times. Brought to you by the Royal Holloway Shakespeare Society. You join me, Theo Dudridge. And me, Lynn Biles, as we bear some bardy truths. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Bar Times. This week I am joined by the designer for the founder, Ali Krausova. Say hi, Ali. Hi, Theo. How are you doing today? I'm really well, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. A little bit tired. A little bit tired. Uh, third year yes. life is a uh, is a moving, but uh, we vibe. We vibe. Yeah, always busy. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So Ali is a second year English and American literature student, and she, as I said before, is the designer for the founder. So Ali, um, as I mentioned before, you are a second year. Um, having gone through a very interesting first year how are you finding uh both of your or how are you how did you find your first year and how are you kind of finding second year now yeah that is so right so um second year is so 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 much better than my first year i guess at the time i didn't really see how miserable i was because oh, no. um one thing is it did take me a lot of time to get used to things and find my group of people and stuff like that but also having a part-time job, getting it and losing it just as fast because of this whole COVID thing. Yeah. That was awful. And thinking oh. back to the whole tears for tears saying, do you remember that? That was a welcome yeah. little quote for the horrible time everyone was having. Yeah. I was um talking to some friends the other night and we genuinely think we all had a drinking problem last year. Jesus it was a <laughs> it was the whole oh. thing of a one slight inconvenience and being like okay i'll have a bottle of wine then um <laughs> but really you know just because we had nothing better to do but this year is great and i feel really lucky because i love my course and That's there's good. yeah i feel like there's a lot of people like me around me who do have a strong sense of self and they know what they want to do with their lives but sometimes even that's not enough yeah no that's that's yeah. fair that's fair i think yeah. definitely last year as a second year going third year uh the whole online experience was definitely it's definitely interesting and then when things kind of ramped up this year especially with things now being back in person i think mm. the, it it felt like a bigger sense of community which was quite yeah. nice and it also meant that being back in person I got to enjoy uh, my courses a bit more which was which is really good absolutely I guess the whole online thing as well even like if you do what you love it kind of is disappointing and you don't really get as much out of it as you would sort of expect to so um that was really challenging yeah. but um I guess this year also, like I've been putting uni aside a little bit and just sort of taking advantage of the fact that I can finally spend time and do things in London again. That's good. That's yeah. good. Oh, and, I um, go. Yeah, you go, you go. Um, I was, yeah, I was just talking to a friend back from Stratford about it and he did tell me a good thing. And that was, um, that even that is, you know, part of my uni experience, though it's not all about reading and writing all the time, but also me being in Camden with all of those tongues and having a good time <laughs> and I really like that oh incredible incredible stuff um so as mentioned earlier 
um, you are doing English and American literature. Yeah. Uh, what sort of things are you studying on your course? And um, yeah, how have you how have you been finding it? Well, this year I do things like Romanticism and Modernism. Okay. Um, but I do a lot of American history within my American literature modules, which is pretty interesting. Because okay. um, especially when I tell people I study American literature, they usually say something really stupid about Americans even having literature. And oh, uh, they do. And it's brilliant. And it's brilliant yeah. because there's so much history and messed up concepts like the American dream that make it so special. Yeah. And uh, this year I'm doing a module called Dark Reform, which is about American scandal. And that's okay. the one I really enjoy the most because as someone who's passionate yeah. about journalism, it really teaches you how to make something controversial and scandalous, but also how to remain authentic in the way you tell your story and how to make a story into one that provokes a reaction. It's really great. That is really interesting. And yeah. that actually nicely segues on to the next question I'm going to ask you. <laughs> so, um, you currently are one of the members of uh, one of the people behind the team working on the founder. You are the current designer for the founder. So yes. what's it like um, being a part of the editing team for that paper and how did you get involved? It's incredible. I never thought I'd be doing anything related to design. And um, I originally applied to be the features editor just because that was the section I sort of used to write for the most. Yeah. But um, then I didn't get the role. And Abra, who's now the editor-in-chief, emailed me again a bit later saying there's the designer position going and if I'd be interested in it. And at Aww. the time, I thought, oh, great. So no one wants to do that. <laughs> so <laughs> she's desperately trying to sell it to me. And I was actually with Abra the other night and she did confirm that was the truth. But um, I did take it and I'm learning so much every month trying to put an issue together. And it's it's just amazing. It's very time consuming, but it really takes someone to have a real interest in the paper to do this. And I guess at the end of the day, that's why Abra chose me. And um, I actually got my first hate mail quite recently. And in a way, oh. I yeah, I probably can't get over it because I keep telling everyone about it. And especially every time I have a drink, it turns into this whole thing that I share with complete strangers. <laughs> um, but that email really made me rethink if I'm doing a good job with it. But, you know, it's one of those things that you learn from and then eventually become quite upset for the person who would even write such email because it's a student paper and we're all doing our best and I know yeah. I would never intentionally put out an issue that would turn readers away Christ yeah I mean it's it's an interesting one it's an interesting mm. one um yeah. but speaking of um your experience of writing with the founder I know last term you were very fortunate enough to review our latest show, which was oh, Slight yeah. Taming. Um, and having read the review, you clearly enjoyed it. You gave uh, some very interesting feedback and insight. Um, so based off of that, what sort of articles do you enjoy writing for the founder? Um, well, last year I was mainly writing for features and I wrote okay. a lot of book reviews as well. My oh, best nice. article, I think, probably because it caused a lot of tension, um, was about drugs and campus. Oh, okay. And I 
I sort of went undercover and stalked my friends for a bit. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I made it really wake. I wanted the people who it was about to know it was about them, but not anyone else to know because there was no need, really. But yeah. the thing is, it really was a time when people got a bit bored of drinking and started looking for entertainment elsewhere, I guess. And I thought, yeah. that's so crazy for a student who's living on ready meals, trying to make ends meet, to be spending £300 on drugs constantly. That is mad. So, um, yeah, so although people were a bit upset at first, they knew it was written out of concern and they thought it was written pretty well. Um, but this year, I think I really found myself in interviews. And this is the first time someone's interviewing me, so that's nice. Um, but I did this piece in October with this London singer called Alan E. Drake, who I've been a fan of since I was about 14. Okay. And she's doing so well at the minute. And after we did this interview together, I actually went to her gig a few weeks later, and we ended up running into each other in the backstage and talking about that article, and that was so cool. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, no, that's really interesting, especially... Um especially about the first piece you had to write um I, I can imagine like looking looking into kind of student life and writing about student life from that perspective can be quite an interesting subject to tackle especially when you know a paper like you're publishing that article to a mainly student audience yeah. like that kind of is a nut well I say a nice wake-up call but I think it's definitely a wake-up call to like things going on behind the scenes that people wouldn't necessarily know about but it is really nice um going on to writing your reviews and kind of how you found how you found that experience of um trying to find my words um having that experience of writing stuff that you enjoy and really getting as much out of it as possible i think i think that's uh incredible incredible stuff it's very exciting and with the review that I did for you guys I sort of got invited to write that review and I thought that's that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um, we're hoping that you can come and review uh, our next show that we're doing oh, I'll be there don't you worry hell yeah hell yeah uh, those of you who don't know uh, we're doing Macbeth um, which is why <laughs> um, but yeah no that that's incredible incredible stuff so a little fun fact for all of you is at home ali is from stratford upon avon literally the home of the bard um so my next question to you um is about your home life what's your experience living in stratford upon avon been like for you okay stratford upon avon um my story is quite unusual um, I lived a lot of different places and obviously when people first meet me they know I have a foreign name and I talk funny because I am such a mixture of places um, but really more than anything else it's just me being quite lazy and crazy with my speech <laughs> and it makes them think just because they have this one distinctive thing about you they can write your story for you and label you into anything they want. And before I even went to Royal Holloway, I was actually already reading The Founder. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, and uh, it's actually kind of the reason why I chose Royal Holloway. Um, but Stella, who's now the features editor, wrote this article back then called Where Are You From Originally? No, like, originally. And it was brilliant. 
because the thing that makes me sad is not only do I not feel or have any connection to any other place to say something back to it I'm also very patriotic and proud about this country and it's not sort of okay when that's been undermined or taken away from you but um, basically when I turned 18 I knew I wanted to move away and live on my own and my plan was to move to Ireland and but my mum thought I was insane and then um <laughs> then a family friend helped me find a job in a little village just outside of stratford it's about 20 minutes away and so i started living on my own above a pub and that's when i truly came alive and started writing my own story and living nice. above a pub you know all these boozers will always tell you there's no better people than the ones you meet over at pine and it's actually true you know, the first summer I was living there, I made the best friendships. I had never had anything like that before. And we really were just this group of kids who worked together in the day and drank together in the night. And we became so close. We would always look after each other. And even today, we still look back at that time and it's almost unreachable to ever have that again. And when I tell people I'm from Stratford, they usually go, oh, you must be spoiled rotten. And they don't know I live above a pub, and yet they're completely right. So, um, you know, the people in Stratford are the best people I've ever met. They make me the happiest and saddest at the same time. That's how much Aww. love there is. Um, but kind of to go back to Stratford as such, it's obviously a place so filled with Shakespeare to the point you get a bit sick of it and think <laughs> to yourself, why, there's, why is there a Shakespeare face even on the bus? Like, isn't there enough? Um, and even yeah. my friends and I took a little trip over the summer. We went to London and we get off the tube at Leicester Square. We get outside. The first thing we see is the statue of Shakespeare. <laughs> and we were like, oh, God, <laughs> you really can't escape it. Um, you can't. But it, yeah, but it makes me think, you know, maybe that's partially where my sense of patriotism comes from, because Shakespeare is obviously such a cultural thing. You hear of Shakespeare and you think of England. Um, Although we do get a bit sick of it, there's so much pride and you could really tell over lockdowns especially and this whole COVID shambles when the Royal Shakespeare Company really suffered and yeah. God knows they still do and the hospitality that is so dependent on our tourism. So many people came together and the fact that even you guys at Shakespeare Society have that on your mind is amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think the RSC is like one of the most precious things. And I have a lot of people around me that have real connection to it. And Stratford, in Stratford, those people are so naturally theatrical as well. You can really tell they must be quite literally born out of Shakespeare. It's amazing. <laughs> no, that's that's an incredible story um, from like where you're kind of based in Stratford and sort of your connection to Shakespeare and um some, as someone biased, as vice president of Shakespeare Society, <laughs> I completely agree with you. I think you can't escape Shakespeare, um, no matter how hard you try. I remember when I first properly got to study Shakespeare and kind of really appreciate it, sort of when we were doing Macbeth for GCSE and then mm. seeing a bunch of productions from that, um, whether they were films or whether they were like shows. And then joining Shakespeare Society at university and really getting to grips with plays which I'd never really would have given the time and day to but it was from that sense of being a part of the society being a part of the community that my appreciation for Shakespeare 
and my interest in wanting to learn more about Shakespeare really kind of came to if that mm -hmm. makes sense yeah um and I think it's interesting hearing different people's experience of how they got to know Shakespeare's work or like you, you're from Stratford-upon-Avon as you said you can't mm. escape Shakespeare it's literally the home of the bard um yeah and you know the thing is especially being there it's almost like oh you you almost can't say that you don't love him because <laughs> that would be just okay leave <laughs> yeah but um <laughs> But you know, you know, we being so exposed to it that it's kind of like you do get a bit sick of it. But it's just, you know, there is a reason to love him, and we we all do. <laughs> this nicely ties on into the next question I'm about to ask you. So I think after that conversation, I think it's fair to say you're a fairly big Shakespeare fan. <laughs> um, so what aspects of his work are you particularly drawn to? And what is your favourite piece of work that he's done? Okay, um, I guess my favourite aspect of his work, although I do think that's up for a discussion, I truly believe that his tragedies are meant to be a bit funny. Because when okay. I read Romeo and Juliet, I was really laughing most of the time. And maybe okay. that's just me being mad. But I <laughs> do believe that <laughs> the exaggeration in this tragedies is so ridiculous. I think it's almost meant to create the opposite effect and be slightly humorous. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah. I um, mean, yeah. I Oh, my God. I was actually interviewed for Cambridge once. And um, we did talk about this. And they thought, they just thought I am mad. But, um, I yeah, that's how I feel about it. I think going off of that, if you look at, um, I'm assuming you're familiar with Romeo and um, Juliet. Mm. That is a kid's adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. And, right. you know, at the heart of it, there are moments of tragedy. I'm going to butcher, like, the entirety of my memory of this film. Um, but I think Tybalt get smashed which is how oh. he dies <laughs> but like the elements of tragedy are still there but it's framed through like an entirely different like sort of not a pg lens kind of a pg lens okay. um like reading romeo and juliet and seeing production of romeo and juliet some go full out some focus on like those kind of core tragic moments but other versions like it's it's really weird like Romeo and Juliet is like one of the first plays, one of the first Shakespeare plays you'll probably learn just ever. That is so true, yeah. And it's Absolutely. a tragedy. So the fact that like I I don't know, I, I can't remember primary school wise if I ever did look at Romeo and Juliet first. I know I know in secondary school it was touched upon in year nine, but like mm -hmm. you know, it is one of the first plays if you was it's, ask anyone. For me, that is the first play I've ever read. Because I feel it's the mad. thing about Shakespeare, it's kind of like he's always, the first description is, it's like a, you know, he's like a hopeless romantic kind of thing. Yeah. When really there is so much more to him. But I guess, you know, that's always from my perspective how I've seen it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. But yeah, no, it's interesting the order of um 
how Shakespeare is taught or how like certain plays are kind of held off for others. I mean, Macbeth is one most people look at GCSE. Um, I know A level, a lot of people study King Lear. Hearing what they had to go through and hearing what they had to explore. Um, when mm-hmm. I came to sixth form to do drama, drama A level, because it was a different uh, school to when I did um, for my GCSEs and my A levels, the people there had so much more Shakespeare knowledge than I ever did. And it was intriguing. Like, it's my first time hearing about plays like Titus Andronicus. Um, I got to hear I about love that one. Um, Oh, there was there was another as well. There are so many good old good old Shakespeare plays. I have to see it, um, but I got Absolutely. to see so many more as well. And I think mm. just exploring Shakespeare is just an incredible time. Whether you're looking at his plays, uh, his sonnets, whatever other work that goes on in that man's life, um, just it's all it's all incredible. It all comes together so so yeah. well. <laughs> absolutely there's so much to it and there's just so much in general you love to see it you love to see it um this nicely leads on to my last kind of guest interview question for you uh well which... hold on hold on because i didn't yeah. say what my favorite play is <laughs> no you're absolutely right ali what is your favorite shakespeare play after all that conversation uh what is your favorite one my favourite play, and everyone always takes that away from me, is Taming of the Shrew. I love the okay. plot, I love the characters, <laughs> it always makes me laugh. And I tell that to people, and they're like, out of all his books, this is your favourite. And I'm just thinking, so just because it's Shakespeare, I have to choose the most complex work to make myself sound clever, or what? But um, I love Taming of the Shrew with pride, and I really <laughs> love Richard III. I think Ooh, Richard okay. III is a perfect example of propaganda and i live for it nice nice um this is a little cross advertisement but there is an episode of bard uh, bard times done by the former president of shakespeare society which talks about shakespearean propaganda and i think don't quote me on this i think he talks about richard the third there so that's a nice little segue Amazing. to watch some former oh, really? episodes yeah um but no that's really interesting mine's Macbeth, so i'm just average um, oh that's the one i don't like <laughs> uh, this is how we turn, but... this is how we end the interview uh no no it's i think it's interesting because for me Macbeth is a play that i can just never escape um I, ironically i'm now Macbeth, but um ever since doing it for gcse pretty sure like without exaggeration every year an element of that play has cropped up in my life whether it be a performance i've seen or i've had to perform something from it for something else i was in the macbeth audio drama um a couple of years ago which was put on during lockdown um but take me of the shrew as well i think is an interesting one and so same with richard the third like both are really good um Mm -hmm. i think i've never i think i've only seen one production of take me of the shrew outside of uh university context that was really good um i i I think the way that taming approached it uh, a slight taming approach to the concept of taming of the shrew 
I think was an interesting one and had a lot of interest. It was, it really was. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I remember I didn't really know what to expect from it. And we genuinely had such a good time watching you. And, um, oh, it was just such a good idea. I, I love that, you know, in your adaptation, Catherine really had a say, like a proper say. It was not just a yeah. assumption that, okay, well, she has the last word and that sort of means it all you really just kind of took it further and it was yeah. it was really great and like the modern concept as well so i can't wait to see your macbeth like maybe <laughs> i will love it <laughs> <laughs> that is the hope that is the hope um so we're now going to move on to our new section of the podcast uh, so coming up, I'm going to list a bunch of Shakespeare stuff because we love the Bard, we love the Shakespeare, we got some good Shakespeare news. Um, so first up, uh, we have uh, our kind of Shakespeare showcase event, Fresh Folio. Um, submissions for pieces are still open and they will be open until the 13th of February. Yeah, I've actually seen that on like social media and I had no idea what that is about. So for those of you who don't know, Fresh Folio is a Shakespeare showcase event. Uh, we've never done something like this before on the scale we would like to do it. We are looking for people who are wanting to write original work uh, inspired by Shakespeare. If they want to bring forth a concept for a Shakespeare scene, like a short Shakespeare scene. Um, if they want to do a duologue or a monologue to just perform, um, it's a place for anyone to perform Shakespeare or write for Shakespeare outside of the usual context of performing in a main term show or something else like Shakespeare in 48. Um, we've never done it before, so it's very experimental, it's very fun. If you would like to be involved, uh, please kind of write something or sign up. We'll have a Q&A session. Uh, by the time this episode goes out, we will be doing a Q&A session on Instagram. So over the course of the day and into parts of the night, um, you can ask us about uh, any qualms, queries, or concerns that you have about uh, what Fresh Radio is, what you can submit. Um, if you have an idea you want to briefly talk about, we can say, do it. Absolutely do it. Um, but yeah, hope that answers your question. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we also have uh, the Shadow Scheme opening up for Macbeth, which will be going out fairly soon. Uh, the Shadow Scheme is an, is a nice opportunity for you to get to learn a bit about the behind-the-scenes stuff that we do for our main term show. Um, the post for that will be going out very soon. Maybe even by the time this episode goes out, it should be out by then. Uh, but if not, message the Facebook page, badger them, and be like, I hear of a shadow scheme. And they will probably tell me off. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, we also have um, the our next academic discussion on Tuesday, the 1st of February. We will be discussing uh, What If It Be True, The Multiverse of Bardness, looking at key moments in Shakespeare plays and pondering the question of what if things played out slightly differently what if banquo lived and his son fleance died what if mercutio was banished and what if romeo died early in the play um these are questions we will be discussing and how they'll affect the overall thematic beats of the rest of 
the rest of those plays. So come along to the pack course if you'd be interested in doing that. Um, we also have Shakespeare D&D on the 18th of February, which um, the dramaturg from Macbeth, Jack Hardman, is running. Uh, information about that should be going fairly soon if you would like to get involved. That will be an event done over Zoom. So if you like online D&D, that would be a good event for you. And finally, um, we have our first workshop in our uh, acting workshop series. We have a voice acting workshop with Shakespeare alumni William Lawson. Um, he's done some incredible voice acting work before. Um, so it'd be really nice to see you guys come along and get involved. Um, now, this wouldn't also be a guest news section if I didn't talk about um, <laughs> what you're doing for the founder. So um, as of recording this episode, the latest issue of the founder came out yesterday. Um, Ali, would you like to give us a sneak peek as to when the following issue for the founder uh, will be coming yes. out? Every issue, people can sort of expect the last week of every month. Um, so yeah, so we just put out an issue yesterday. It's pretty good, so check it out. Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. Um, and this very nicely segues on to the end of uh, end of this episode so once again thank you very much ali for coming on to bar times this week it's been an absolute pleasure to have you thank you so much i had a lot of fun thank you very much for tuning in to this episode of bar times i have been your host theo dudridge and in the words of the bard himself Better three hours too soon than a minute too late. Take care, everyone.